Greetings, amigos, and top teners everywhere. Welcome back to Top 10 with Kyle and Mike. I am your co-host, Kyle. Opposite me today, as he is every week, although a little later this week than we typically do, is your lovely and eloquent co-host, Michael. This week, Mike has prepared a top 10 list of some topic of which I know nothing of. He's going to relay that list to me. We're going to vigorously debate it. By the end of this episode, we will have arrived at a definitive version of this list. Mike, tell the good people, what is our topic tonight? All right, K-Dog. So we're actually going to be talking about a topic that is somewhat related to our recent Chris Wars pod. So in the wake of the Chris Wars pod, I received a phone call from my father and our soon to be in in his mind at least permanent co-host jerry oh does jerry listen jerry does listen (laughs) complaining bitterly that we'd overlooked christian bale so i explained to him that christian bale was not really eligible for that list and that of course christian bale would have been number one on that list if he were eligible. Which didn't, I don't think anybody calls him Chris. So, like, he's not really in the Chris world. Nor does anyone call him Christopher. And though we never said... I think you even said we were excluding Christians. You gave the example of Cristiano Ronaldo. But yeah. I think I'm fine with us leaving Christian Bale out. Ultimately, I think it was the right choice. We sort of contemplated what to do with the Christians, the Christophs. I think we were sort of unclear in our formulation, but then we're kind of clear at the end that they weren't included. Point is, it reminded me of how wonderful Christian Bale is, Mm. which got me thinking and got me Googling. As you know, he's got a new movie coming out called Vice. Yes. So, so I have to temper your expectations a little bit. The reviews actually are not that great. The I know, it's very surprising given the hot streak that Adam McKay has been on. Here's the review that, you know how Rotten Tomatoes does a, a synopsis? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to read this to you. It's brief, and I think it perfectly encapsulates Christian Bale and what I'm trying to get at. Vice takes scattershot aim at its targets. I think that's just a bad Dick Cheney joke. But writer-director Adam McKay hits some satisfying bullseyes. And Christian Bale's transformation is a sight to behold. So I think I know where this is, is going. No, so we're not specifically going towards physical transformations. Uh. We're just talking the best Christian Bale roles, best Christian Bale performances. But the point is, Christian Bale is a highlight of every movie he's in. I, my dad and I have discussed it. You and I have discussed it. He is an undeniable must-see actor. Everything he's in, he brings it, even if the movie itself isn't that great. And it sounds like Vice is a perfect example of that. So my question is, are we taking into account only his performance, or are we taking into account like general quality of the movie that he's in? We're talking only his performance. I think, generally speaking, the rising tide lifts all boats, and these tend to be good movies that we're talking about. Yeah. But let's say, for example, he were a 10 in a 2. That's better than him being a 2 in a 10. Got it. Okay. I can get on board with that. So we're going to talk a little Christian Bale this evening. I like it. I like this a lot. We haven't really yeah. done this yet, right? Like, just picked an actor and gone through their work? No. And this was fun because you and I have been talking, and I think the the folks in the audience will will, I think, be supportive of this, about how to deal with top topics that aren't necessarily conducive to 10. And this was an interesting exercise because his career is so good, it actually is conducive to a 10. Yeah. Even a 10 that I've seen. So, like, it basically breaks down into 10 that I've seen. And then there's a couple others that I've kind I've seen a little bit of or I've heard of. But he has such a great career that there was enough material here. Well, I'm very excited. Yeah, so let's let's roll into it. So number 10 is his role as Batman slash Bruce Wayne, specifically in The Dark Knight Rises. So I think that his performance in this of the three films is, I wouldn't say that it's the weakest. I would say that his character arc is the most traditional. I think that the work he does in movies one and two are a little bit more challenging for him as an actor. And we'll talk about those in a bit more depth. But the basic character arc for him in The Dark Knight Rises is is pretty reminiscent of character arcs you've seen. There are a lot of different actors. It's a lot like Rocky, 
for example. It's kind of him a little bit older, a little beaten down, being totally beaten down, learning to come back from it, and sort of reckoning with his diminishing skills. That does not, I think, necessarily require an actor of uncommon skill. It just so happens that he is an actor of uncommon skill, and so he does all of those things especially well. So I think he gives an excellent performance in this movie, but I think it's probably his least challenging performance as Batman slash Bruce Wayne. I would tend to agree, and I would assume because of that, we'll be talking about the other two films later on. We will be. I think this it makes more sense to talk about this movie in relation to the others. So maybe we save some of this conversation, but I agree. I think that in this movie, it's like, it's almost more of a, I think it's like more of a physical role actually than the other two movies for him. Yeah. And he does that really well too. Yeah. And I like, cause I, this movie compared, I think one of the reasons I like this movie so much compared to the other two is that Bane and Tom, ugh, Tom Hardy is so, yeah. is such a dominating physical presence. Whereas mm-hmm. Killian Murphy and Heath Ledger are, psychological terror same with Liam Neeson whereas this movie he's actually forced to and like I think part of I I, I think it's worth noting like his physical performance in this movie is great like the way he fights Bane and the way he comes back and he climbs like that yeah I think that's my favorite part of this role and Mm -hmm. I think it's just in general less impressive than some of the other work that he's done even in this series that's fair to say well, what I think is interesting, you raise a good point. So I made, I tried to put together like what I thought was the defining scene or quote for each of these roles. Mm. And the one I picked for this role was the parting scene between Bruce Wayne and Alfred. It's one of the most affecting scenes in the movies because it's, I think it's really the emotional core of this film because Bruce at this point doesn't really have a relationship with just about anybody other than Alfred. And I really love that scene. The the specific quote that I picked was when was when Alfred says, like, he, he tells Bruce that actually Rachel was going to leave him for Harvey in the last movie, which was this just huge, huge cornerstone of the post-Dark Knight reality that Bruce Wayne is living in. And Alfred brings that crumbling down, and he says, I know what this means. And Bruce responds and just says, what does it mean? And he says it in this really petulant way, which I think was so effective for Christian Bale. Because in this one scene, he's heartbroken. He's he feels betrayed. But then he's like this petulant little rich child who's like, what does it mean, Alfred? And I think that Christian Bale really, really nicely encapsulates the different things that the Bruce Wayne character is all in this one scene that could have just been like a little shouting match. And I think he did a great job with that. So I think from an emotional standpoint, that was probably his sharpest scene, but I think you're right. The stuff that he does so well in this movie is, is primarily physical. Like that final fight he has with Bane when they're on the steps of city hall, I actually believe that he could take him down. And I think that is, owed in large part to Christian Bale's really convincing physical presence. That scene, and I think mostly of the sewer fight, where yeah, the beat down. where he's just getting his ass kicked, and he like won't give up. Like I think he sells the fact that like he really should just probably stay down. Yeah, I agree. All right, so clocking in at number nine, it's actually one that I think is a relatively minor role in his career, but which I think at least just for this one line could only have been done by Christian Bale because he's so superlative, and that's his role in The Big Short. So for anybody who hasn't seen it, he plays, I forget what the real character, what the real person's name is, but the character in the movie is Michael Burry or Barry. It, that's not the real guy's name, but it's based off of a real person who had the idea to short mortgage-backed securities that were issued by these large financial institutions during the credit crisis. And if that sounds boring, it is. Like, that's an incredibly boring thing that I just said. And yet the movie makes it not boring. And Christian Bale, I think his character basically, at least the way the movie plays it, is very socially awkward. I would say perhaps bordering on having Asperger's or being somewhere on the autism spectrum. He doesn't interact very well with other people, but he's right. And he has this hilarious phone call with a representative from Goldman Sachs who thinks that they have a sucker on the line. And... 
so he's talking to this person about how he wants to short these this particular um set of bonds and it's like this really technical conversation and this person's like what the hell are you talking about and he's reading through this prospectus and it's it's just like this very ordinary but odd interaction and then Christian Bale delivers this line, which is, my one concern is what, that when the bonds fail, I want to be certain of payment in case of solvency issues with your bank. So basically, Christian Bale, this asshole, is saying, in case you, one of the largest financial institutions in the world, fails, I want to make sure you can pay me some dipshit in, like, a garage running my own hedge fund. And I think only Christian Bale could have delivered that with the very unaffected speech pattern, but, like, total arrogance underlying it. I, what I like about this role is that he's very, like, he doesn't have very many lows or highs. Like, when things are going very poorly for him, he's very calm and, Mm -hmm. like, is handling it in kind of his own weird way. And I think it's especially cool at the end of the movie when he's proven right, it's kind of the same thing. He just calmly goes about, Basically mm-hmm. collecting his winnings. Yep. And I think you're right. Like, he's definitely, like, trying to be portray someone, like, on the spectrum. And it's, like, very uncomfortable sometimes to watch him, which means that he's doing a good mm-hmm. job. Yeah. And I really loved, <laughs> I just, like, really loved watching him play the drums. Yes, the drums were a great little thing. And the sort of little quirk that you could imagine Christian Bale improvising. Or, like, learning how to play the drums, maybe. Like, yeah, he probably actually learned. Yeah, probably. He's, <laughs> he's like playing nights in some weird like Welsh nightclub just to to get a feel for it. He's a pretty notoriously famous method actor, so it wouldn't shock me. No, it would not shock me either. So like I said, I think that's a relatively minor role, but I think the real Bale brilliance here is not, like you said, overdoing anything. He just, this could have been a really hammy role and he didn't make it that way. And he also seemed to really understand in a way that is very humble that this movie wasn't about him. Mm-hmm. Like that's one of the remarkable things as you go through this list of roles is that these are not all just leading man prestige roles. These are roles that he kind of picked and chose very cautiously. That's what's so funny about the big short. It's like four kind of primary storylines and his screen time is relatively small. And what's it's like 10 minutes maybe. And what's really interesting about that particular one is that he's pretty much just acting against himself like a lot of his scenes are just him in a room whereas like the other storylines in that movie it's a couple people playing off of each other it's a group thing that's a really good point and his is very it's like weird it never like merges with the other storylines the way some of the other ones do yeah kind of interesting like in a room performance from him i that it's an underrated part of that movie i think that's a really great point about his performance and only makes it better in my eyes agreed all right, so number eight was a recent example of a movie that I only went to see because Bale was in it. Turned out to be better than I expected, but he was just remarkable, and that's Hostels. Yeah. So Hostels, the basic setup is he is a, I believe he's a Union soldier. He's a veteran, and he has fought many skirmishes on the American frontier with Native Americans, and he had one Native American in particular who he fought against and who massacred uh, many of his troops. And he's assigned to escort this guy back from a federal penitentiary to his native lands. So basically this guy is dying of cancer, wants to go back to his ancestral lands to die. And they assign Christian Bale, who hates him more than anybody on earth, to bring him back. And he conveys his hatred so in such a terrifying manner but also argues for his point of view rather convincingly like really convincingly portrays the fear of the frontier so i want to give you my quick quote the best scene of that movie was when he actually received his assignment because he doesn't even have the person that he's eventually going to like you're going to see who he's so afraid of uh, or hates so much all you have are the ghosts in his eyes to convey what he's seen, and he just does it. So he gets the assignment, and he says back to his commanding officer, Don't you dare laugh. There wasn't enough left of those poor men to fill a slop pail. Understand, when we laid our head downs out there, we're all prisoners. I hate him. 
I got a war bag of reasons to hate him. Skinny Figgler, Edwin Tate. He raises a really good point, which is when we lay our heads down out here, aka the American frontier, we're all prisoners. Basically, the movie argues that if you live in fear, you're a prisoner. And I think the, he really pretty pretty honestly and accurately conveys that living in the American frontier was a scary place to live. The point of view that he's very obviously missing is that to be a Native American at this time, you were also a prisoner because you lived in equal measure of fear and that's, for your life. And that's something he figures out by the end, as you can imagine. But yes, he, he does, he does at least to a certain degree learn that. But I think it's still important to validate his point of view because his point of view is not one purely of bigotry. This is a person who's actually been out amongst the people of the American frontier and has experienced like really what can go wrong. And he's just, he's remarkable this whole movie, but this scene in particular to convey all of that in one scene was, was pretty, pretty impressive. Two scenes that stick out to me. The first is that same one. I think what was impressive to me is that there, there's a lot of characterization being done in that scene and way you just talked about where you understand why he hates this particular group of people and one person specifically, but also very effectively done in that scene is it tells you everything you need to know about what kind of soldier he is because yep. it's cool to see him fighting against himself how to respectfully tell a, yes. a commanding officer that he's not going to do something, even though his sense of duty is one of the most important things in his life you can tell from that scene like those are the two defining characteristics of him it's why he eventually does it is this sense of duty and that's why the movie works is because you know how important both of those things and how conflicting they are so i like yeah. that internal kind of thing he's able to show through his performance and the other scene is very early on they come across a woman who has been her family has been assaulted by some native americans and her kids have been killed and he like flips a switch and all of a sudden yeah. is like super tender and super understanding. And like you can tell by the way he's acting that his character has been in this situation before probably many times. And it fills in like large swaths of his backstory very effectively. That is such a great point. You're right because. If he did that and it felt like professional courtesy or bullshit, you just kind of pass by. It's like, okay, whatever. He's a soldier. He's dealt with this kind of thing. Or if he responds to it the way his soldiers do, where they're like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, yes. Because, but he knows exactly what to do. He yeah. handles it like he's done it a thousand times, which is great writing and great performance yeah. from him. Agreed. All right, so this is traditionally the part where we do our not top three. Uh, so I feel like we should cue some music. All right. Music cue. All right, thanks, music. That was great. What a great session of music. Um, <laughs> so for this week's not top three, we're going to be uh, talking about one movie. Um, because there's only one bad movie that Christian Bale has done, and that is Terminator Salvation. This is so funny, because when you mentioned this topic, I started jotting down some movies, and I thought, how do you do a not top three for Christian Bale? And then I remembered Terminator Salvation. This is probably- That's it. This is probably a not top three of one. <laughs> it's the only one. It is a not top three of one, because he's not good in it, and that movie sucks, and he's not good in it. The only other thing worth noting is that this is apparently a movie where he absolutely lost his mind on set. Yeah. I think it's on YouTube. Mm -hmm. But he, like... It is. He, like, berates, like, basically an entire room full of people for, <laughs> like, not being... Like, basically not being able to keep up. But But what I think is interesting about this, if I recall correctly, he's especially angry that he's so in the zone and giving it everything he has, and somebody, like, messes up a lighting cue or, like, makes a bunch of noise. And it's great because I don't... Maybe the perception is that he's an asshole, but I like to think that he's not... I think that he's just so crazy into his craft that anybody not respecting that really are gonna is gonna earn his ire. I think both of those things are probably true. Like I think that he's probably an asshole. Yeah. Because of that. And I think he's probably an understandable asshole, but 
Yeah. It's hard, it's hard to watch the video and not feel like bad for the people that are there. But at the same time, like, if you have someone that full sends on everything he does like he does, you can also yeah. understand why you'd be really frustrated to have that not taken seriously by someone you're working with. Yes, agreed. At any rate, Terminator Salvation is our not top three. <laughs> All right. Also, also worth noting, just a terrible, terrible movie. Yeah, it's not good. It's not a good movie. They should have stopped making those after T2. But oh, yeah. At any rate. Uh, number seven is Bruce Wayne slash Batman in the film Batman Begins. So Christian Bale does some really important work in this movie in a few different ways. His Batman is fantastic. His Batman is physically something to behold. He is by far the most jacked Batman of all time. He's probably about 220 or 230 in that movie, which is considerably larger than any other Batman ever and considerably larger than he will be again in that movie series, just presumably because it just was such a pain in the ass to be that big. Yeah. The only bigger Batman than that is the one in the Arkham series. <laughs> yes. That Batman is 295 pounds <laughs> with 1% body fat. Right. <laughs> but, but the real work that Christian Bale does in this movie is early on as Bruce, as Bruce Wayne the, what I chose as his defining moment in this is the whole storyline with Joe Chill. A big, a big precondition for the Christopher Nolan films to work is that we kind of have to believe anything can happen. Now, ultimately, Christopher Nolan is, has a crowd pleasing instinct that means he kind of pulls back from some of the harsher things he could do in his films. But the real risk of a George R.R. Martin-esque, like, bloodbath or unexpected death or unexpected action has to exist. And Christian Bale very quickly convinces us that this white bread motherfucker might actually kill the guy who killed his parents. Like, you re- I really thought that we were about to see Bruce Wayne kill Joe Chill. When he goes to the courthouse with a gun and is about to shoot Joe Chill. I, I, believed he was going to kill him and that that was going to be the thing that propelled this movie forward that's remarkable acting and it really sets up the stakes of this film very well yeah he sells the torture pretty well i like it and it's also kind of jarring to go back and watch this movie because he like really really looks the part of like a young like has to assume the mantle of, like, a big family name, like, just out of college type person, which is, yep. which is weird. But yeah, it's like a, it's kind of a striking aesthetic to him in this movie. And I think mm. he sells, like, the younger, like, more vulnerable, volatile Bruce Wayne. Cause, like, by the time that we see him in Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, like, Bruce Wayne, at least, is a lot more polished. So this is, it's cool to watch it having, and I think this is like a better performance having seen the latter two. Yes, I agree with that. They reflect upon it well. Yeah, for sure. All right, so number six, American Psycho, his work as Patrick Bateman. Oh boy. You thought this would be higher? I thought this would be at or near the top. So I'm not actually a huge fan of American Psycho. I am a fan of Christian Bale's performance in this movie. I have a hard time thinking of really any other actor who could have done this movie. Certainly, if there are others, it would be a short list of others. But the degree to which he sells the murderous, like, 80s corporate sellout is pretty stunning. It owes a lot to the source material, because that's what's on the page. But, oh boy. He's equal parts, like stunningly terrifying yeah and also hilarious in this movie which is like such a weird weird line to walk and it's why this movie is like in general like extremely unpleasant to watch because the the two scenes i think of are yeah close to the beginning when he is applying he's talking about his morning routine and like that monotone. God, I hate that. First, first I apply, and Cameron can do the whole. He recites the whole thing. But like, <laughs> and he can. when he stares in the mirror, he looks like a like he conveys that there's something wrong with him. Like there's something wrong with his soul, and he just happens to be in this human body. 
And like he's yes. staring out from behind like these human eyes, but he's not human. And like it has to do with the makeup, the way he looks like waxen and like, like yeah, like manufactured. But like that look is like impossible to shake. And so terrifying. And, and like it's similar to look when he's talking about the business cards. Ugh, God. But, Ugh. but the other thing, but he's also like laugh out loud funny. Like when he, um, he's getting dressed and he's playing, uh, Huey Lewis and he's putting on the, the, uh, the poncho and grabbing the That's... axe. Like, Ugh. and he starts doing the, you know what I'm talking about? Like the, the dance. I move. have the whole, I have the whole quote set up, but yes, the dance move. The... He's such a weird flourish that I once again trust him so completely as an actor that I kind of believe he just came up with that. I was going to read, because I read that. So the director, I can't remember her name, but she said that that was not planned. And when he did that, she just laughed out loud and couldn't stop laughing and thought it was such like a weird, weird like way to juxtapose like the... <laughs> The fact that he's a psychopath, like, they, they had to And about him. to act somebody to death. Right, because he had a better business card than he did, right? Or because he had a, he got a reservation yeah. at Dorcia. So like, and then when he's, t- I think personally, one of their weaker works, Ugh. the way he's analyzing the album, like. I have the whole thing. Yeah. I have it all. It's, their early work was a little too way, new wave for my tastes, but when sports came out in 83, I think they really came into their own commercially and artistically. The whole album has a clear, crisp sound and a new sheen of consummate professionalism that really gives the songs a big boost. He's been compared to Elvis Costello, but I think Huey has a far more bitter, cynical sense of humor. Yes. And it's just like, you know every line of that is cribbed from somebody writing in a, a, a more tasteful magazine that he ought to be reading. Like, somebody wrote pieces of that in Esquire, Rolling Stone, Vanity Fair, and he just, like, cribbed the best lines from each of it because he has no soul. Yes, he's like a machine reciting it. Yeah. But it's, it plays for laughs. It's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I'd also like when he says, like, he the way he, like, switches into, like, this weird, like, false joviality... Like, they're at Darcia, and he says something like, Hey, cut me some slack, I'm a child of divorce. Like, it's just, it's like super hammy, and it's like what you would do if, like, you were trying to be, like, lighthearted and funny, and you yes. didn't know how to do it, and he sells it. Yeah. It's, it's incredibly unnerving. And from, like, I think for me, this is, this is higher, but, uh, glad it's on the list at all. Yeah. So that's American Psycho. Number five is his role as Alfred Borden in The Prestige. So without giving too much away, uh, Christian Bale does a lot of heavy lifting in this movie. But what I think is is so remarkable about this is he conveys the sense of a true believer in a way that is very convincing. So long story short, he's a magician and he has a competition uh, with Hugh Jackman's character, who is also a magician. And they have two very different styles. Hugh Jackman is a performer, which is not surprising given his background. He's like this great performer, has a real stage presence. Christian Bale's character is interested in what he would term true magic. Like he wants to really perform great illusions and he doesn't really care how pretty they are or how many people watch he just wants to perform great magic and i think that that's a really hard thing to put on a screen without seeming hammy or like you're making fun of the idea of true belief because true belief is really easy to make fun of it just is it's funny like when somebody really believes in something it's very natural to tease them about it and so i think very Typically, when you show somebody who has like strongly held religious beliefs or patriotism or believes in some cause or like the Jedi, like you just look like an idiot on screen because it's that's the kind of the least lowest common denominator. And for him, I think he conveys somebody who believes very deeply in this idea of true magic without ever crossing into self parody, which is, I think, pretty remarkable. Yeah, I agree. And I think the movie helps sell that in the way that you realize how far he'll go. And, mm-hmm. and I think I don't want to give anything away, but like upon rewatching, yeah. there are subtleties in his performance that you would 
not notice the first time through that you pick up the second time through that reflect like a true mastery of like the subtlety of body language and yep. that kind of thing. So I don't I feel like anyone who's listening to this podcast has probably seen the prestige anyways. And I think you'd probably understand what I'm talking about, but I agree, I agree with you. And I think that that, that aspect of like selling the true belief is something not stupid, but is something to admire only is reinforced upon further watches of it. Absolutely. And the quote that I ended up picking, which relates closely to what you're talking about was the back and forth that he has with his wife, where she says that some days you love me and some days you tell me you love me and some days you mean it and some days you don't. What's really fascinating is upon further review in a very subtle sense, you can see what she's talking about. He doesn't oversell it. Yeah. It's, but when you watch it again, he does mean it sometimes. And, and he does not at other times. And how much of that is you as a viewer projecting that onto it? I don't know. A little bit. A little bit. I'm sure. But I think, I, I do really think that there are differences. And I believe with a thousand, I'm a true believer that Christian Bale was addressing what he was doing very seriously and with a very uh, particular mindset. Well, this is like when Tom Brady throws <laughs> a pass to a spot and Julian Edelman isn't there. I just, I default to believing that he threw it to the right spot and Julian Edelman just was in the wrong spot. It's He's earned the benefit of the doubt, and I think Christian Bale has certainly earned the benefit of the doubt. Agreed. All right, so that brings us to number four. One of our favorite roles, one of our favorite movies, Christian Bale as Dan Evans in 310 to Yuma. Oh, Dan. So I think that this role is one of the more traditional sort of roles and character arcs that he has really ever done because he's, he's pretty, pretty typically searches out those unconventional roles that we've discussed. What I think is particularly interesting about this role for him is that he clearly timed it at a certain point in his career. So at this point in his career, he is Batman. There's no question. There's no debate. He is Batman. He's about to become John Connor and try to become, you know, the lead in the Terminator series. Like he has developed a bit of a type. He is Mr. Big, strong, macho man. And then he comes out with this movie where he plays an amputee, clearly emotionally scarred veteran of the Civil War who does nothing but disappoint his wife and children. For that choice alone, I have to, I have to start this movie in the plus territory, like with his role, because he just decided to do something that was a total left turn from what he was doing at that point in his career. And like I said, it's, it's a fairly traditional role, fairly, fairly traditional character arc. But what he does with it is so interesting. This movie is probably a B minus, like a C plus without him. But him as the emotional core of this movie, notably playing very well off Russell Crowe, who's also outstanding, is, is really important for this movie. Because if you watch this movie and don't believe his arc, you don't believe, just logistically, you don't believe this movie would happen the way it happens. But you also wouldn't invest in it the way you do without him. No, absolutely. And he, I think the, the defining theme of this movie is conviction and seeing through what you say you're going to, right? Yeah. And I think what he does so effectively is sell the fact that like doing what he says he's going to do is not easy for him at any point in this movie. And no. in like very few, like he really doesn't want to be doing it. Nope. But he's doing it. And like that, like, determination and kind of gritting your teeth and burying it like he sells that really well and you don't have the payoff you do without understand like because if, if this is something that's easy for him like if you know if this is something he does every day and it doesn't cost him anything then there's no point to this movie yeah but it does and i think that that i think that's the that's the biggest thing that bale does in this movie because i it, to be totally honest I think I think Russell Crowe is probably has a more important role in some ways than Bale does. I think his performance is super impressive, maybe even more so. But you need both halves for this movie to work, and 
But see, I think what you're getting at is I almost agree with what you're saying, but I tend to think that Russell Crowe happens to have the shinier part, but I don't think the better part. And I think it's really important that we have both sides of this play as strongly as they do. And I think in some senses, the bail part is the more difficult part. I think it's oh, sort I of agree. like being the the pine to the foster in what you would call it, um, hell or high water. Like you have to play the quieter, sort of more reserved character can be more difficult in some ways. I think it's a more nuanced role for sure. And so I think yeah. it's a greater degree of difficulty. Yes. Which he pulls off. And the quote that I picked for this one is, it's just one of the most heartbreaking scenes I've ever seen in a movie. It's before he's about to go off with Ben Wade and hopefully bring him to justice. He has a conversation with his wife who's telling him it's really stupid for him to go. And he says, if I don't go, we got to pack up and leave. Now I'm tired, Alice. I'm tired of watching my boys go hungry. I'm tired of the way that they look at me. And I'm tired of the way that you don't. Now that's just a pretty brilliantly written line. Like that's, that's brilliant. That's such a good, it's a really clean sentence construction. Like it, it really flows nicely. It's got good symmetry to it. It's kind of a confusing sentiment that is not confusing at all. Right. Yeah. And the way he says it, he's whispering because he knows his boys might hear. And he's already so embarrassed of what his oldest son thinks of him. And he's already, he wants to preserve the way his younger son thinks of him. So he's whispering this and he's whispering it so desperately that you can't help but remember this scene, the whole movie where he does think he has to do this thing, but he also has this just soul deep desire to be something other than what he thinks he is. It's a beautiful film. And what I think I love so much about this movie is that it's a really good movie. If you just focus on what we've been like the emotional, like with Bale versus, uh, with Russell Crowe, but, like, this is also, like, a really good, just, like, action western. Like, it's both, yeah. it's both parts. I, I know every time we talk about this, we, like, rave about it, but <laughs> this is such a good movie. Amen. All right, so, honorable mentions. I get a couple of them. I've actually only seen two of these, and I really like both of them, but I want to mention a bunch. So, uh, The Machinist, that's the movie that he became famous for losing like a hundred pounds. If you Google it, it's pretty sickening. He plays a guy who doesn't sleep and he's like a hundred and ten pounds. Uh, it's crazy. It's pretty gross. Yeah. Another one where he loses a lot of weight is Rescue Dawn. So I saw part of that one. He plays a fighter pilot who's downed. I forget where, but he ends up in the wilderness, gets taken in as a prisoner of war tortured loses a lot of weight the part that i say he was really good i don't know it was it was kind of a weird movie but that was one that he got famous for one that i saw and really liked and which was really weird is the new world so that one is the story of captain john smith uh pocahontas but told in a much more I, now my understanding is there's some factual dispute but a much more grounded Mm. take on that and i if i remember correctly he plays john rolfe mm. i remember he plays a real asshole <laughs> and he plays it really well in a movie that's really unsettling and funky just is very much him so that was that was a good one for him that i liked one that he may even have been nominated for an oscar i don't i don't think he was i think maybe Kate blanchett was but i'm not there which was that bob dylan movie where a yeah. bunch of actors both male and female played different personalities of bob dylan i know that's a big one i'm mentioning a couple of these just because i've heard that he's yeah. good in them but they don't particularly interest me one other one that i'd like to see i don't know how i've managed not to see it uh is out of the furnace yes have you seen that one no, um, but I, I, it's been high on my list for a long time, and I remember reading the description and just thinking, like, this is, I have, like, this is perfect for Bale. I have to see it. Well, I think maybe we should put that on our movie weekend. I think you're, uh, I think that would be a prime candidate for that. Well, what's interesting is the reviews of that one, as I recall, were, hey, this movie's kind of fine, but Christian Bale is electric, which is basically the baseline review for his movies. Yeah, it, it's weird he's been in so many, like, movies that are 
like incredible around him as well. But I think yeah. that's where he really, like for me, I think, th- I think the poster child for that is Hostels. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like this is probably similar to that. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one I wanted to mention from sort of my personal back catalog is a movie called All the Little Animals. I feel like I may even have mentioned this one before, but he plays a mentally disabled kid growing up in, I think, the British countryside who has this really interesting uh, habit where he takes roadkill and he buries it properly. He has this sort of feeling that these animals ought not to be left on the road. And he's not supposed to be leaving his home and he ends up getting in a lot of trouble. I think he has like a mean stepdad because he's going out and doing this. And that's it. Like there's really not a whole lot more to this movie, but it, he did a really sensitive and interesting job portraying somebody who had a mental disability, did it really well and made a really just odd subject matter really compelling. It was a pretty remarkable performance. I think it might actually have been the first movie I saw him in after Batman Begins. Whoa. So it was an odd time in my uh, journey with Christian Bale, like, to see that right after Batman Begins. But it was really good. And if anybody has got, like, a Saturday afternoon with literally nothing else to do, it's got to be, like, literally nothing else to do. I would recommend that movie because it was, it was very good. Okay. I think I know what our top three, then, are if we're uh, done with honorable mentions. I think probably. Uh, so number three is The Dark Knight. So this is his role as Batman, Bruce Wayne in The Dark Knight. So I think the reason that this is the highest ranking of his Batman appearances is pretty simple. It's he's going up against one of the greatest performances in film history. I think we safe to say. Mm-hmm. And he holds his own. That's all he had to do. Like he is not the core of this movie. But he has to hold the movie in enough tension with the Joker character to make it work. Because if he's just railroaded by the Joker, either in the logic of the movie or sort of outside of the logic of the movie, where we as viewers are like, he's just overmatched. Heath Ledger's just outacting him. Then this movie doesn't work. And no scene encapsulates that better than the Joker slash Batman showdown at the Gotham police station, the interview the Joker is spewing some high-level shit, philo- philosophical stuff, big-picture justice stuff, existential shit. He's intimidating. He's scary. He's all this stuff. He's throwing a lot against the wall, and Heath Ledger is just going for it. And Christian Bale absolutely goes fifteen, go twelve rounds, fifteen rounds with him. Like he he really holds up in this scene. That's the first one that came to mind that I was going to mention. It's also interesting because it's like, I don't know, for me, like, he's most impressive as Bruce Wayne because, like, by definition, the Batman stuff is kind of, you know, like, exaggerated and and, and masked and, like, put through a filter. But, like, this scene in particular, like, it's it's really wild and it, like, kind of puts you on your heels and the way he, like, jams the the chair underneath the door. Mm -hmm. And, like... He's pissed. Like, he's really, really, really angry in a way that yeah. is cool because the whole point of Batman so far is that he's not really a person, you know? Yeah. Like, he's a Batman. He, and, and so, like, to see the emotion come through, like, and he's still doing, like, the voice and everything, but he's fighting yeah. it. <laughs> like, it's a... It's like a super, super, super intense scene, and half of that is because Heath Ledger is amazing, but the intensity comes from Vale. Well, that part, what you're saying about the physical manifestation of it, that part where you actually, where the Joker says, I'm going to tell you, and it sort of pauses this like crazy tension that's been building up. Like Things are starting to really escalate. Like He's beating the piss out of the Joker. Like, he's in danger of killing this guy, which is what the Joker is trying to tempt him into doing. And the Joker says, but I'm going to tell you. And I'm going to tell you why. And, like, he pauses the conversation, and you see Batman just, his chest heaving, his... (sighs) And you hear his breath, and you see him heaving, and you believe... I don't know who on set was in charge of this department, but somebody had actually, like, gotten him 
to the point where he was that angry because you can't fake that that effectively like the christian bale underneath all that had somehow worked himself up into that lather (sighs) yeah yeah he's he makes that scene yeah so that's the dark knight i had a couple other uh little notes from that movie that i thought he did really nicely one thing I think is the Bruce Wayne stuff with Alfred is really good in this movie. Yeah. I love the scene when they're shutting down the Batcave or the proto Batcave and he's and um yeah. Alfred says like, you know, I'm going to you know, we're going to go you're going to get locked up for this and he's like I can't believe I'm going to go down as your accomplice and he's like accomplice. I'm going to tell him the whole thing was your idea. And it's just this really cute funny moment that he pulls off with real grace. That's not easy to do that in the same movie where you just like blew a load in an interview because you're so angry. Like this one person doing both of those acting jobs in one movie is pretty remarkable. Agreed. I love it when he says, it's like, well, Alfred, you can finally say you told me so. Yes. Well, I did bloody tell you. (laughs) That's right. All right. So that's number three. Number two is The Fighter, Dickie Eklund. So this is a movie that, like several of these, is like a B minus. Like this is a good, fine movie. It's a, it's, it's good. This is a good movie. Christian Bale elevates this movie so far beyond what this movie should be, in large part because he has to carry the fact that Mark Wahlberg is the lead actor, and all Mark Wahlberg does in this movie is just like look lost, and it's fine. It actually works. Like it actually works in the context of this movie, but he does nothing. Mark Wahlberg does nothing in this movie except just sort of be there because Melissa Leo plays the mom and she's a firecracker and she's awesome. His sisters are crazy and the Dickie character played by Christian Bale is a big personality. And so I think it's really important that he fill the void left by the putative lead actor. And the part that I picked from this movie that I thought was best was the scene where Dickie is giving Mickey his ringside speech. And I have it. I can read it if we want to. But basically, the whole movie, there's this ongoing bullshit about whether or not he knocked down uh, Sugar Ray. And it's so interesting. He never really acknowledges the ridiculousness of that mattering. Like, it's not that he doesn't acknowledge the ridiculousness that it happened. It's just... That it's such a big thing for him is never, like, he's not self-aware enough to to recognize how weird that is. And then when he's trying to pump Mickey up, he sort of explains to him that it's not enough. Like, even if he did knock Sugar Ray down, he, he Mickey, can be better than that. And, like, it's this real moment of self-awareness that I think Christian Bale just imbues with such humanity it's it's an amazing scene. It could have just been a rah-rah speech, but it's basically this one character admitting to his brother that he's a failure and that he, his brother, doesn't have to be. It's it's really beautiful, and I think it's well-written, but I think as delivered by Christian Bale is elevated. Well, I think, I think what happens is that, like, that becomes the story of the movie. Like, his journey from... Like, to realize that about himself is, to me, like, the primary change that I care about in that movie. When, absolutely. When really the movie should be about Mickey, <laughs> like, doing something for himself, but for his family, for his brother. Absolutely. And it's not really about that. And, like, I think if this movie is like, uh, like Matt Damon is Mickey and, uh, Ben Affleck, honestly, Ben Affleck, Affleck is, is, yeah, whatever, one of those guys, then that is that movie, it's about, yeah, it's a, that's so, you're so right, it's about the fighter, like the guy, and it's, it's, you know, it's about Mickey, and this movie, like, when you think about it, that's not what you think about, like, like, Bale, like, literally hijacks this movie, and it's all about him, I think, yep. I think what's really cool is at the end of the movie, if you watch through the credits, they show the yes. footage of the actual Dickie, and you're like, oh my, it's, it's, I remember being like really stricken by it and like kind of like, like snapping kind of out of what I was thinking. I mean, like, how did he, how did he do it? Cause it's like he, first of all, he looks like him. Like they did a good job yes. with that, but the way he like talked and like moved his head, you know, the movement, that was the big thing was that tick he has where he's moving his head back and forth. He, 
once again, a choice as an actor that could have devolved into parody doesn't ever. Uh, yeah, I, uh, this is like, like he literally hijacked this movie. It's, I, yeah. I think, I, I suspect I know what your number one is. I think I would put this at, at number one, but let's talk. Yeah. So number one is American Hustle, his role as Irving Rosenfeld. So you've seen American Hustle, correct? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. We saw okay. it as a sub movie. Yes. That's what I thought. So this is a, Another movie that's like good. It's a good movie. It's, it's has, it has about an hour of great in it. I think basically everything that happens after, uh, Bradley Cooper does cocaine in the bathroom with Amy Adams is great. Like that's, that's what that's the movie the inflection is great. Point. Yes. That, everything from that point on is, is great. Yeah. Everything before that's like fine. Yeah. But there are a bunch of great individual performances in this movie. Bradley Cooper is so shockingly good in this movie. And this was back when it was shocking for Bradley Cooper to be this good. Jennifer Lawrence is unreal. She she steals the show every second she's on the screen in this movie. She knocks it out of the park. I think this is one of her, like, roles, I think, that gets overlooked. Yeah. It should not be, but... But what's crazy is that Christian Bale holds his own with her in every single scene he is with her which is hard to imagine so she blows she in character blows his character away every time they talk because he is so hopelessly in love with her and she doesn't care about him one lick and so every interaction they have she comes out on top because they're just they're mismatched but that's exactly what is supposed to happen and he conveys that so perfectly this was this was one i was trying to to build my case for why this should be number one in a career of incredible acting performances and it's really hard to build a case without actually pointing you to the movie because his work in this movie is very quiet his moments of bravado seem kind of ridiculous it's these smaller moments where you see him looking at jennifer lawrence with just such adoring hopeless unrequited love that are just pretty remarkable and that's an emotion like the emotion of heartbreak or the feeling of unrequited love that's been translated onto screen and done well before i don't remember a time i've seen it done as well as he does it in this movie he's such a loser he's a very talented loser and he's somebody who clearly could have gone in a different direction had things broken his way but he's such a loser and he plays it so perfectly yeah i think the i think it would be a mistake to overlook the physicality of the role too totally because <laughs> Because it's such a big part of it. That scene yep. where he, Cooper, Bradley Cooper's character, like, touches his hair and he gets really mad and, like, has yeah. to, like, redo his hair and, like, like, stuff like that. Yeah. He, it's tempting to, like, have his role get lost in the shuffle because he's doing it next to Amy Adams and Jennifer Lawrence and Jeremy Renner and Bradley Cooper. Like, yes, Jeremy Renner is very good in this movie, too. Love Renner. Yeah. I, I think part of my, if, if affinity for this movie is because we saw it as a sub movie and because i had yeah like no expectations for it and was blown away by everyone in it i think this one suffers for me because just as a as a a sum of it like as a result of the way the movie is he's not front and center like he is in some of these other ones which adds to the role in some ways and i think yeah but i think if we were to make a list of his greatest performances would detract from it a little bit well, so I think that's, I think that that sort of begs the question of what are we talking about here? Are we talking about greatest performances or greatest roles? And I think there's a slight difference because I would, I would argue passionately that this is his greatest performance. I, like I said, I have a hard time gathering evidence for it without just saying go watch it, which is kind of flip, but it just, it's hard. This one is hard to describe until you see it. And obviously you have, but I think the question of whether this is his greatest role is a little bit of a different question. And I think in the role sense, because he is more secondary in this movie, it probably suffers on by that. But I don't think measure. that's the conversation we should be having. I think we should be talking about performances 
and I think we should just get into the this ranking now because I don't I don't have any other to add. Yeah, I think that his greatest performance is the fighter for the reasons we've discussed. Like he, because I think part of that is the if we're talking about roles because that wasn't supposed to really be his role and he changed like he changed the movie with his performance and you have something to compare it to like i think for me that and then i would actually put american hustle at at 3 behind american psycho because i think even though it's so off the like i think i think sometimes like you you see this with jim carrey like sometimes we're like being off the wall is just like it's like it's too much and like you but like this like this role i think because it's a balance of like the terrifying and the funny like he he's walking a tightrope that like that kind of role usually doesn't require mm-hmm. so i would put it up there because I, I think i think american hustle is a less challenging role than those other two which detracts from its greatness and its execution so i think so I hear what you're saying, but I think the question is, how much does he elevate it? And I think he ele- I think he elevates the American Psycho role and the American Hustle role nearly in equal measure in very different ways. Because I think that playing a mopey, frumpy schmuck basically is pretty easy, but he decided to do something much deeper and much much different and in its own way much more like the Jim Carrey selling out route and so I think I think he kind of does the same thing it's just in a different direction because it's a different kind of role my inclination of your analysis of those three would be to I actually would I would cede the number one position to the fighter because I do think ultimately what we will remember Christian Bale for in his career is the crazy shit more than the amazing subtle shit. I would like to give the amazing subtle shit its proper due. And so I would like American Hustle at two because I think that's his best. I'm being a like in the weeds actor yeah. movie. Whereas the fighter is probably his best. Like I just decided this is my movie now role. I can get on board with that. And you're right. There's definitely like a, a certain level of impressiveness or from doing what he did with a role that's not as tailor made to be jumping out of the screen at you like uh, Chris, or, uh Patrick Bateman is, right? Isn't that his name? Bateman? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I like. So, so if we did the fighter, American Hustle, American Psycho, how do you feel about the next couple? I would move I would move the prestige up to four, I think. I think that the like the subtleties we discussed in that role elevate it. A little bit more than I think Dan Evans. See, I'd be willing to go above Dan Evans, but I think I want to keep the Dark Knight where it is because it's the oh, Dark Knight. Oh, like, sorry, yeah. So I would. Uh, I, you meant five. Yeah, sorry. That's okay. Yep. So yeah, so we would go Fighter, American Hustle. Oh wait, did we then say American American Psycho three? American Psycho, Dark Knight, Dark Knight, Prestige, Three Ten Yuma, and then I actually like the rest from there. I think that's probably the right way to do it. Yeah, I think so too. All right, buddy. That was good. Feels like we have a list. I think what we have right here is like the definitive top 10 list of Christian Bale performances slash roles. Want me to uh, run through them? I think you should do it. I think it's your list. All right, beautiful. So at number 10, we have Christian Bale as Old Man Bruce in The Dark Knight Rises. Number nine, Christian Bale as... The, the brilliant hedge fund uh, manager, Michael something or other, in The Big Short. Number eight, in the very scarred and haunted Captain Blocker in Hostels. Number seven, the young and once promising Bruce Wayne in Batman Begins. Number six, the hobbled and very sad and inspirational Dan Evans in 310 to Yuma. Number five... The wide-eyed true believer Alfred Borden in The Prestige. Number four, the pretty psychotic Batman in The Dark Knight. Number three, the very psychotic Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. Number two, the truly tragic Irving Rosenfeld in American Hustle. And number one, Christian Bale's greatest role, greatest performance, 
the very unsettling and very fascinating Dickie Eklund in The Fighter. Beautiful. Beautiful. <sighs> that was good. I gotta, Thanks, dog. I gotta go watch 310 to Yuma right now. I know. I'm gonna go watch that, probably. <laughs> or at least the, at least a couple clips. Yeah. Alright. Should we tell... Oh, boy. Yeah, let's talk about some stuff. Do you want me to do mine first? Switch it out? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, so you guys probably enjoyed our theme music and our not top three music. Those are both composed by Kevin McLeod. And of course, our beautiful artwork, as always, designed by Aaron Sant, who's on Instagram at Sant Design. So I'm going to talk about, even though I tried to say goodbye about a minute ago there, I'm going to tell you where to find us. So if you need to find us, check us out on whatever podcast app you use, be that Stitcher, Google Play, nice. the Apple Podcast app, Podbean, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast, check us out there. Check us out on Twitter at top 10 top t-e-n-k-m send us an email at our gmail top t-e-n-k-m at gmail.com and coming soon maybe when this podcast is out because we are trying to stack a couple up here our instagram that's right handle to be determined by what is available (laughs) very probably something on the top 10 km theme hopefully that's not taken hopefully not all right yeah, so let us know what you think. Tell us where we screwed up on this and other podcasts. and uh, We know you will. Absolutely. And we'll see you next time.